This is the Clonmel Podcast with Mark Whelan. Hiya, it's Mark here and welcome to episode 23 of the Clonmel Podcast for this Friday, the 5th of February. So, how are you getting on? Doing okay? And how was your week? I know if you're out for your 5k walk this week by the Blue Wave, it got a bit flooded down there. You may have needed some wellies or even a canoe to get through. If you're driving and living around Glen Connor, the roadworks continue on that road as well. Bit of a pain in the backside, I know. Congratulations to the Presentation Secondary School who won a Glamour Award at the Junk Couture Finals. I was watching it on TV last night. Great achievement there. We also found out this week in a shock survey that 77% of vehicles break the speed limit on the Colville Road. Now, I do believe the council are doing something to sort this out. Slow down, for goodness sake. There's also talks of snow on the way. According to Met Aaron's projections, I think it's around the middle to late next week. We may get it here in Clonmel. What was that film? I always think of it when we have snow. Day after tomorrow. Yeah, there's some polar something or other coming our way, bringing the cold weather and the snow. So get your tennis rackets out of the garage or the shed and stick them on your feet. We also found out that Clonmel had the lowest COVID-19 infection rate in Tipperary over the past fortnight with 243 cases per 100,000 people. Please stay safe out there and keep following the HSE government guidelines. And what about the Guardies Jerusalem dance video? Already getting over a million hits on YouTube. Don't know about you, made me smile. I thought it was great, so well done. So what's coming up this week on the Clonmel podcast, I hear you ask? Well, I get to speak to Councillor Richie Malloy on Family Carers Island, being mayor of Clonmel and growing up in the town as well. The Clonmel Community Soup Kitchen really do need your help. There's a job going at the Showground Shopping Centre, the library's wellness webinars, online events from the Tipperary Arts Centre in Nelson Street, and lots more coming up. The Clonmel Podcast. The Tipperary County Council Library Service started hosting a series of webinars this week, their wellness webinars. It started last Wednesday and continues every Wednesday up until the 24th of February. They include homeschooling advice for parents on teaching their children, to winter wellness, how to keep the mind healthy during the pandemic, with tips on how to relax and de-stress, and lots more. For more information and booking, call this number 761 066100 that's 761 or email libraries at tipperarycoco.ie that's libraries at tipperarycoco.ie Looking for work? Well, Macaulay Health and Beauty at the Showground Shopping Centre are looking for a sales assistant. This is full-time. You can email your CV to human.resources at smcc.ie. That's human.resources at smcc.ie. And get more information on the Showground Shopping Centre Clonmel Facebook page. Speaking of which, there's also some great tutorials on there from the Gourmet Butcher showing us how to prepare yummy tomahawk steaks to preparing a chicken for roasting or the barbecue. And there's also news on special offers and a lot more on the Showground Shopping Centre Clonmel Facebook page. Well worth a look. Now, Enable Island and Town are currently closed due to Level 5 restrictions and therefore cannot take any donations right now. You've been asked to hang on to what you might have until they reopen and please do not leave any donations at the door or throw them over the gate. Our friends at Mani Restaurant in Parnell Street are running a fabulous competition on their Facebook page. 
You can win dinner for two and a bottle of wine for when they reopen, which let's face it, we all can't wait, can we? Who doesn't fancy going out for a good meal right now? But sadly, we can't. Get all the details on the Marnie Restaurant Clonmel Facebook page. Now, you may recall from last week I told you about an email that's circulating at the moment pretending to be from PayPal saying that your account has been suspended and to enter your bank account details. Yeah, well, do you know what? I got this last week and the flaw was the spelling. It was spelt P-A-Y-P-A-I instead of PayPal, P-A-Y-P-A-L. Well, this week, guess what? I got another one. This time spelt P-A-Y-P-A-1. I know. What are they like? I'm kind of thinking right now, what will I get next week? <laughs> Seriously. But you know something? This is a scam. Please be aware of it and just delete the email if you do get it, no matter what way it's spelt. Crafty though, aren't they? They really are. Tipperary County Council are holding a webinar for older road users. This will cover pedestrian safety, driving license renewal, roundabouts, eyesight and driving, pedestrian crossings and winter ready driving. Now, this may suit senior citizen groups and you can email mary.murphy at tipperarycoco.ie. That's mary.murphy at tipperarycoco.ie. And it takes place on Friday the 19th of February between 11am and 12pm. The South Tipperary Arts Centre in Nelson Street has some excellent online events going on to keep us all well and healthy during these times, from yoga to meditation and much more. All events are free, but you need to pre-book. Get more information on the South Tipperary Arts Centre Facebook page. The Clonmel Community Soup Kitchen is still open at this time and looking for your donations. They're located at the railway station. If you can help by giving anything at all, they'd really appreciate this as people in our town are looking for more food bags than ever at this time. You can drop off your donations every Friday between 9.30am and 12.30pm. Again, they're at the railway station in town. Okay, time for this week's interview where I got to speak to Councillor Richie Malloy on Family Carers Island, being mayor and also growing up in Clonmel. The Clonmel Podcast. It's a great pleasure to welcome to the Clonmel Podcast Richie Malloy or Councillor Richie Malloy. Richie, welcome. Yeah, and thanks, Mark, and welcome to Family Carers. Yes, Family Carers Island. How long have you been involved? Yeah, I've, I've been in the organisation, Mark, now just over 20 years, so a long time, you might say, as the kind of carer sports manager we would have started Actually, when the organisation came to Clanmel, it started in Mary Street, and we were there roughly for about five years. And then we moved from Mary Street to Sarsfield Street, and I think we spent another 10 years or so there. And now we've come to the building place for you, where you are this morning here in Gladstone Street, and hopefully we'll be here for many a long year. We hope so. Tell us what you do here. So basically, Family Carers Ireland, it's a a national organisation. We're kind of one of 20 20 centres. And we basically represent the family carer in the home. And often people say, who are the family carers? And the family carer is the person maybe they might be looking after, a mom, a dad, maybe a child with special needs. So it's kind of a broad spectrum. And a lot of people that might be listening to the podcast could be carers, but they may not identify themselves. They might just see themselves as maybe the son or the daughter or the mom or the dad who happens to be looking after somebody. So we do a lot of work around self-identifying so that to say you are the family carer and without you minding the person at home, that person would probably be gone into long-term care, you know, a number of years ago. So a lot of the work of Family Carers Ireland is advocacy. We'd be lobbying the government for more recognition for family carers. And 
by and large, I suppose 20 years ago when I would have started, you hardly ever heard the term family carer. It was right. just somebody was looking after somebody at home. Whereas in the last 10 years, I'd say the word family carer is better known and certainly better known by government. So in this centre here in Clanmel, um, outside of the COVID, it's normally like a drop-in centre. So a carer can pop in, have a cup of tea, a chat. If they're entitled to things such as carers, allowances or whatever, we'll help them fill out the forms and that kind of stuff. We also have maybe 16 people working out here, home respite workers. So they can go out to the house. If you're looking after your mother or father and you're under pressure, we can send someone in maybe two to three hours a week. You can go off, do a bit of shopping, go whatever. And our worker then will take over your role for those couple of hours. So that's that's probably a big ask. Lots and lots of people looking for home respite all the time. We offer uh, counselling services here. If a person, again, felt they were under pressure, we can offer free counselling so many sessions, six to eight sessions. Normally, we'd often run first aid courses, do a bit of training, patient manual handling. So there's a lot, lot of activity goes on in the centre. Also, Richie, if somebody, say, had parents, they're elderly, and they weren't too sure about the carers, the caring protocol, would they contact you? Sometimes we'd be the first point to call, because basically anybody could become a carer tomorrow. Somebody belonged to you might be in a car accident, now you're the family carer. What do you do next? Yes. So we would encourage people to come to our offices, and we'd set them in the right direction. Normally we'd engage with the public head nurse, she would be the person from the HSC, would assess the family's needs, perhaps provide a home care package from the HSC, and then we might be able to provide extra services, such as the counselling and that kind of thing. So we work kind of hand in hand with the HSC. A lot of the time too, we'd spend fundraising would be a part of our work. We'd run things like the mini marathon was very mm. popular now over the years. We ran duck derbies, all sorts of different... Can't be a good duck derby. Duck derby was always popular. We had flag days, yeah, the church gate collection. So while I acknowledge the HSC do fund the place to a certain degree, but we we're, we're still have a shortfall every year. So part of my role would be coming up with fundraising initiatives. So we'd welcome any suggestions from your listeners in, the, in that area. How would people get in contact with you? How can they get in so contact? So basically, we, we can be contacted in various means. As I say, outside of COVID, it's only a matter of pressing the bell on the door. You know, you can come in. You don't need an appointment or anything like that. We would also have our own local Facebook page. We're available on the internet. We have, you know, email addresses. But I suppose, by and large, I find with elderly people in particular, it's mainly by phone and calling to the premises in person is how people mostly contact us. Fantastic. Now, Richard Malloy, politics. How did you get involved in politics? Yeah, or was I, it something you always wanted to yeah, I do? Suppose when I, I suppose going back the years, I was always interested in politics. Yeah. But very hard to break in if you don't come from a political background. So I suppose I had the opportunity, I think it was in 2004, the Progressive Democrats were looking for candidates in the area. Hmm. And they'd approach me and said, would I be interested in running? So I stood for the... Progressive Democrats I entered 2004 and then I, I was elected to the Clanwell Corporation at the time so that gave me my first taste of politics and I suppose I'm at it now over 20 years and I do find it does work hand in hand with the work here in Family Carers because it gives the opportunity to lobby the TDs 
the ministers of the day and I suppose the fact that you're in politics makes it easier to easier access well you, you feel that you're more of an in maybe yes. than if you weren't in politics yes. so I like at the time when I started first with Mary Harney was the minister for health you had Michael McDowell was the the minister for justice at the time so you had access to those people and I suppose I was able to make a pitch mm. for various cases and I felt that the Progressive Democrats at the time were probably seen more as a, a right-wing group or whatever and I was coming more from the, the background we call it of the left and I didn't yeah. know a lot about left and right at that stage but I felt I was an advantage to them in that you were bringing stories from the ordinary person whereas they might necessarily have known that and you know we did have some success and people love that too people love that I think especially voters if it's someone there's Richie he's a good lad you know he's a local lad yeah. you're not involved in politics before that exactly and you're not coming from no like if you're looking at anyone even in Dáil Éireann today it's often the sons of sons yeah. that are the TDs and the ministers whereas I was coming from a totally more from the community background so, how did the family feel when you got involved in politics no I remember my own father he's passed away now but I could certainly say he was a man that never had a scrap of interest probably never voted mm. unless when I actually ran myself we got him to do the post <laughs> and, and so on so they were delighted I suppose that we'll say there again it's like somebody fairly ordinary getting into it you could put it like that I suppose so when the the uh, PDs kind of came to an end then I was approached by Fianna Fáil and then I joined Fianna Fáil and I didn't stay very long on Fianna Fáil because I felt it was totally different to being in the PDs it was a bigger structure and you really I felt anyway you didn't have much of a voice of your own and we'll say you had the party whip system I wasn't used to that in the PDs everything had to be cleared by the whip so you couldn't be as free with your comments and at the time I was very involved with Deputy Matty McGrath was also a Fianna Fáil TD and when Matty left Fianna Fáil I really felt there was no place for me in Fianna Fáil then and I also went independent and I must say it was a decision I never regretted since then and I was successful in other elections to be elected in my own right but I think it was an advantage to probably being in the party system first because you had a better idea of what you were into. And you were mayor of Clonmel twice, I believe? Yeah, I, I was actually, in as the first time I was elected mayor, they needed an extra vote. There's like PAC systems and hmm. rotations. And I was the Progressive Democrats candidate. And then we'd say when I was in that pact, I then I became the mayor, first time mayor, I was in 2007 for the Progressive Democrats. That was the party I was in. And I was subsequently a number of years later then mayor as an independent. But it's a great role to have. It's mainly ceremonial, really. Yeah, what, is it, what, is it, yeah, uh, what does mean, it entail, basically? It's, it's a very busy year now. You're forever on the go. And you meet all sorts of organisations and people. You wouldn't realise how many things would be going on in a town like Clamell till you become mayor because then you're meeting all these various groups I mean you don't probably have a lot of powers as such but your chair in the monthly meeting will be one of them and you're mainly you'll be hosting a lot of mayor receptions in the town hall and I got a great kick out of that because you were able to give recognition to groups that might never have got recognition and you know you had like the boxing club here in Clamell is one that comes to mind Dean Gardner was a lad now we gave a mayor reception to you had the clamour wheelchairs. There's so many of them, it would be hard to, to count them. But it gave those people then a bit of 
recognition of the town kind of recognised them for the work they were doing. So I certainly enjoyed it. And did you get to travel abroad as mayor? Yeah, as mayor you would. You're the Clanmel is twinned with a number of towns. So if you're the mayor of the day, we're twinned with Reading in England, we'll be the nearest. We're twinned with um, Azines in France, Costa Masnaga in Italy, and Peoria in the States. So I would, in those times, I visited most of those towns and you met the mayors there and you met the groups there and there's a great uh, amount of tourism especially from Peoria I couldn't believe how many Americans come here every year solely because Clamell is twinned with Peoria and I can honestly admit I hadn't heard of Peoria myself before yeah, that me neither <laughs> it's, it's, and it's a massive city it's a, there's a couple of million it's a city near Chicago mm. and very famous in the States now and we're probably lucky that they chose Clamell to become twinned with Peoria. But that relationship is going for over 20 years and hundreds of Americans visit Clamell solely for that link alone. And how does a town get twinned? How does that it, work Twinning out? was set up after the Second World War. Right. And was, the idea was that, that Europe had been so badly broken up that they encouraged, I suppose, um, countries to get to know each other again. And that's how that started. And I suppose obviously England is our nearest neighbour, so Clanmel twinned with Reading. You had a lot of going back and forth over the years there. And then Italy would, and it would basically come about sometimes through maybe the Chambers of Commerce or whatever, and committees over the years kept going. We're probably fortunate in Clanmel. Aidan Fennessy is the chairperson of the Clanmel twinning and very proactive in keeping the links going. But it started because of the war and it's kept going then over the years to get to know your neighbours. And of course with the American mayors, they have a lot of power. Absolutely. Like no. they control the police force, etc. <laughs> yes. And do they think that you maybe have the same sort of power when you arrive? I would say, yeah, when we went there first, <laughs> say, I, I would say the ordinary Americans probably say, here's the mayor of Clanmel or whatever. And they think that you have the same, but mainly, I suppose, whether it is fractured or misfractured, I don't really know. But by and large, mayors in Ireland are mainly ceremonial, although there is talks now of having directly elected mayors, and maybe that will be a different thing. There you go, Richie. It's time to go for a third <laughs> term, I think, is it? Whatever it was. Well, that's and you get to wear the really cool chain you as well. You do, because I suppose the fa most famous mayor in Clamell would have been Charles Bianchi. Yeah. And the chains, the original chains that he would have wore are now in the county museum. But the first time I was mayor, you had the opportunity to wear those chains. So it was a bit of a... And, and you did, yes, you got to wear that. Yeah, That's, but now they've locked them into They've the locked museum, them away. So we won't be doing that again. <laughs> now, tell us about Richie Malloy, the man. <laughs> yes, yes. Where, where, where were you born and where did you go to yeah, school? I was basically, I'm from Irish down there. I grew up grew up in Clanmel. Uh, my parents were Simon and Bridie Malloy. I have... Uh, uh, two brothers, Simon, Michael, a sister, Liz. Then I got married there to a, an Indian girl there, Sangeeta, in 2004. So we have two children now, Oshin and Rhea. They're in their teens, so you can imagine what that's like. It's a full, full on. You're loving full, it, Richie. Full on, full on house. <laughs> Think so, back to your own teenage years. <laughs> exactly. And that's it. It was very different, I think. And I would have. Um, I would have. I started my working life in Sutton's, you know. For well, do you know what? Here's here's something, podcasters. That me and Richie used to work together years Absolutely. ago, didn't we, Richie? <laughs> and I only realised it this morning when I looked at Mark's profile on Facebook that the a lot more hair back then, and Richie. And both of us, both of us, both of us did. So the years haven't been kind. That's for sure. But Sutton's was a great company, and it's day, a lot of the older 
people in Clonmel will know it started in Gladstone Street. I worked there from school, then moved to Dillon Street. That's where Mark mm. came on board there for a number of years. You had the cushion number in the office, Richie. We're, 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 we're out delivering, driving <laughs> yes, the trucks yes, yes. in the middle of winter, <laughs> yes. delivering the coal. <laughs> so it was that an easy job, <laughs> that's for sure. And uh, I would have spent maybe 20 years there. And then I moved to Three Rivers Isle, which is a company oh, slightly yes. up the road from um, Sutton's and Dillon Street. But I was always anxious to get out of the commercial world, mm. you know, because Sutton's and all that, obviously they're all about making profit and this and that. So that's why the Family Carers was known as the Carers Association at that time. And I was always keen to get in to something that was not for profit. So I was very lucky to get, I suppose, a start in the Carers Association. And then I started in Mary Street. So I suppose I've been in the organisation from the ground up. So it's been good from that point of view. Basically, we had no staff at the start. Now we've around 16 home respite workers and the name is more widely known now, the whole idea of what carers are all about. So it is a job I kind of enjoy doing, so I don't really see it as working when they were paid to do it. And it has kind of worked hand in hand with politics. The great thing too is, you know, you, you mentioned Richie Malloy to people and you have a, you're well respected in the community, which is, which is lovely. And I think in a job like this that you're in, you're very approachable too. So it's nice people can actually come in and, and speak to you. That, that's it, because I think when you talk to the older people now, mm. you try to read any government department, you press one, press oh. two, press three, and it takes forever to get through. So I've always tried to keep a policy here of meeting people face to face, fill up the form, talk it out, rather than kind of, even for older people, like to go on social media isn't easy. No, or you hear, you know, uh, which is quite common these days, Richie, you know yourself is, oh, go online and do this. Yeah, and I've very, got parents in their 80s. They, they haven't got the internet. They can't go online. It's very difficult. And I, I'd be very conscious that the county councils and local authorities are all going towards the social media, look it up on our webpage, don't contact us. And that's not great. And I suppose public representatives do play a role that way because they still want to meet people. And obviously, even that is one thing about local democracy. If you want to get votes, you must be meeting people. And it can't be all done online. And I'm afraid as time goes by, the younger people coming up are very familiar with that setup. But there's very little personalities involved then. It's all very cut and dry. And there's mm. often the grey area. where, you, And often I remember people saying, we should start a party called the Grey Party that would allow for when it's not quite cut and dry or black and white, whereas in the kind of modern world, it's all very exact. You either yeah. fit the box or you yeah. don't. And that doesn't always be the case. No, I think the authorities, businesses need to think of the older people who, who they're not au fait with using the internet, Wi-Fi, going online, basically. No, absolutely. And th you see, that whole catchment of people are being left out of a lot yeah. of things. And it's worse now during this COVID crisis because now with COVID, it's an excuse sometimes for the government to kind of now doors are closed, people aren't accessible, they're working from home, harder to contact. I mean, that's not great for the older no. people. And I, the sooner the COVID, the level five ends, the better, I think, because you'll bring back, it won't be the COVID will kill people at all, I think. It'll be more, you know, loneliness is a big factor now. We have lots of people ringing here that don't see one person from one end of the week to the other because families are not encouraged to visit. The home helps might only be going in once or twice a week. So it's a very lonely place, Ireland, at present. But hopefully level five 
will start coming to an end in the next month or so. And it was very hard to tell people who could be in their 70s and 80s that you can't go out, which was the message that came across at the beginning, even though, you know, we knew it wasn't mandatory, but they thought it was. And older people are very used to following the rules. Yeah. And once the government announced it, even when older people are filling in forms, they're so honest mm. with their savings. If the if they felt they weren't eligible, they're onto you straight away. Whereas government sometimes thinks that everybody is out to scam them, which isn't really the case no. in that in that circumstances. Yeah, what does Richie Malloy do to relax and chill out? <laughs> yes, because with all that going on, you definitely need to. You need to. You need to clear it every now and then. So I suppose if I was to look at relaxation, I'm involved in Hillview the sports of I do a lot of not exactly uh, hard hill walking though, but gentle strolls through the woods Carey's Castle that'd be a favourite place that would be a favourite place of mine now. and I'd often bring my young lads out there Rhea and Oshin and, and the wife would come too and what do walks. they think what do they think of the locality especially no, your wife say now no for our wife there's a big change to come from India mm. she's from a city called Arangabad maybe 5 million in the city mm. so it's a big change to come to Ireland when there's much much smaller population here, so it took a long time to get you and the cold because you're coming from something, yes, like, <laughs> I would say so. That you're coming from 40 degrees to maybe you know, and you must find the same when you go out there with the heat, yes, 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 that's for sure. <laughs> that's for sure. And I remember going to India at the start, they'd be saying, oh, What's this job you're in? and you're trying to explain we're supporting the elderly. And India is very much the giant family, mm. so they wouldn't have the same concept of. That's right. They'd be living at home, say, with the kids who are now grown up and their families. And their mind and the grandmother. And if somebody has dementia, it's not really seen because if you forget to turn off the oven, one of the kids will turn off the oven. You know, it's very different in the West. We'd say, well, you don't have the same family units, smaller families and that kind of thing. But no, she certainly were married, I think, over 18 years now. 18 years? Really? Wow. So she's well settled in at this stage of the game. And there's a big Indian community here now in Clamwell, whereas when she came at the start now, you probably wouldn't see another Indian for longer money, but that's not the case. Which is great to see in Clamwell, isn't it? Yeah, it's kind of, I mean, from the time I was It's multicultural. It's very multicultural. Mm. I mean, certainly when I was growing up in school, you'd know very little and all we knew about India was Mother Teresa and that was about it, you know, whereas now there's a much more, as you say, cosmopolitan approach. You've got your Thai restaurants, Italian yeah. restaurants where yeah. we never had, like we, were, we had Matassas, I think. Uh, Matassas, do you know what? Yeah, you had Matassas and like, the Mayfair's still there. The Mayfair. At the time, I think Sparky was running the Mayfair, wasn't he? That's, and I actually, <laughs> well, before I was in Sutton's, you've reminded me, I walked in the old Kentucky, which was the uh, little restaurant, a the chipper there, in O'Connor Street, it's there opposite where the book centre used to be. Yes! It was the old Kentucky and it was the main guy restaurant for a number of years. The late Peter Collins was the manager and it's funny when you're young you see all oh, these guys is very old and I happened to pass Peter Collins' headstone the other day and I noticed that he died at 48. Oh, so I really t- took a step back because when we were working there we used to see him as a very old man you know but it's funny the different perceptions you have and you worked in Liam Daly's bar didn't you yes Liam Daly's now was a great aunt of my father's there and, and Liam Senior were great friends and I think there was a picture up the other night of when my dad retired from something's with Liam and a bottle of brandy between the, the two of them so Liam Daly's was a great place now my safe and my brother's Worked in Leeds for a number of years. I can remember you in there. In fact, uh, before we recorded the podcast, I said to you off air, I said, Did you work in Liam Daly's? But yeah, yeah, myself and my brother did. Yeah, I remember tri- going in there. Thriving business. Though. It was. Yeah, I, I remember on Saturday night you might have seven or eight 
barman behind the counter to be flat out the flat holes were another big thing that you couldn't get in the door at that time now it's funny how the pub business change and I know my brothers and myself often thought of maybe down the road we try and lease a pub or own a pub but I suppose as time has proved we're probably just as well off we didn't because it has changed yeah. dramatically. But Clonmel has changed Richie hasn't it and sad to say not for the better. No there's big change I mean you, you mentioned yourself Mark before mm. we started Burke's Bacon was a mm. massive empire mm. you had Clamel Foods up in Irishdown where I, where I lived um, you had several Sheezers were another one lots and lots of companies Bulmers was mm. a massive employer you had lads employed yeah, the crushing the, remember the crushing mm. down behind the town hall there down Slane, yeah. and like all that you see I suppose as the town got more modern and you had all this kind of technology especially in Bulmers now the crushing then was got rid of I think now it might be a staff of two or three hundred which was probably over a thousand when you and I were in yeah. Sutton's yeah. even yeah. Sutton's by its nature was a big employer, you know, yeah. a hardware store and this and that. So it, it has changed a lot. We're probably fortunate to still have Boston yeah. and Abbott. They're the big employers. Because Digital Tools was back in the day, was it? Yeah, remember Digital? Digital Seagate was another mm. one. And when they went first, people used to think that the town was finished. It has been a very kind of resilient town, I would say, over the years. You know, it's adapted a lot. You have lots of different stores popping up from time to time so i admire anyone who opens a business in this climate it, but I, th I think even before that you go to pre-cobra there's a lot of vacant premises around which is really sad to see because of the old clone mill was a fine town a busy I, mean, town. I suppose as, as say local representatives that's where you would get the most people coming on to what's happening to the town mm, center mm, but there mm. is big plans there now mm. they have brought in these consultants they've drawn up these plans to pedestrianise a lot of the town centre, you know, make the footpaths wider. And I think, looking at the plans, it does look as if it will be a success. It could be a different town. You won't be able to drive in. I suppose the older way of doing things was you drove to the shop you wanted to go into. So you literally parked outside the door. Literally. Went in, you bought the bomb, <laughs> you got back out. That, that will probably change. And I suppose we have to accept this. You know, when you visit all around Europe and that, you're generally parking on the edges of the town. The Kick and Barracks now is another big one. That's going to be a big plaza for concerts and that kind of thing. And actually this week alone, the government have announced anyway that they've approved this 10 million euros to convert the old army barracks into this plaza. So hopefully we'll put pressure on them that that'll actually happen because there's lots of announcements. But sometimes people say, when's it going to happen? Yeah. You know, but like that one now is probably the Kick and Barracks and developing the town centre are probably the big ones for the council and they look as if the plans are drawn so if you have a plan you have some chance you know so the plans have been adapted. and this hopefully bring more business into the town as well absolutely because i just say you will be very sympathetic with local lads you know say coffee shops and that now locked up mm. again maybe getting some bit of government subsidy but it's mm. not the same same thing so we're really looking forward to march the same march yeah with the, Hopefully, and we can you know get the vaccines into us all and, yeah, and, and, yeah, and move on. Absolutely. And the frontline workers seem to be getting them now. The oh, moment, and they so do such an amazing that, that, job. They really, really success. do. So if I asked you your favourite place in Clonmel, you'd say then Carey's Castle? I'd say Carey's Castle. <laughs> Ross's Woods, I'd recommend them to anybody for to clear the heads. And we were out there over the weekend with the snow and it was, you know, fa fantastic. Councillor Richie Malloy, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much. And thank you, Mark. Thank you. The Clonmel Podcast. Thank you, Richie. Now, coming next week, I'm speaking to Editor Doolin from Well Jumping Clonmel. 
It's from good workout, dancing, music, lights, fun, support. And of course, the most what people they're looking is lose the weight, get more fit and just feel amazing. Until then, look after one another and stay safe. If you'd like to contact the Clomod Podcast, you can email theclomodpodcast at gmail.com. You'll also find us on Facebook and Twitter. And subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Spotify. Or big hello to John O'Neill from Biancony Drive here in town who listens to the Clomod Podcast in London. Hello, John. Thank you for listening. Until next week, stay safe and I'll talk to you then. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Clonmel Podcast with Mark Whelan. Produced by West 10 Audio Productions. Your town, your podcast. <laughs> <laughs>